The Return of the King, Book One, Chapter One, Part Two, Minas Tirith. With that, Gandalf went out, and as he did so, there came the note of a clear, sweet bell ringing in the tower of the citadel. Three strokes it rang, like silver in the air, and ceased, the third hour from the rising of the sun. After a minute, Pippin went to the door and down the stair, and looked about the street. The sun was now shining warm and bright, and the towers and tall houses cast long, clear-cut shadows westward. High in the blue air, Mount Mindaloin lifted its white helm and snowy cloak. Armed men went to and fro in the ways of the city, as if going at the striking of the hour to changes of post and duty. Nine o'clock we'd call it in the shire, said Pippin aloud to himself. Just the time for a nice breakfast by the open window in spring sunshine. And how I should like breakfast! Do these people ever have it, or is it over? And when do they have dinner, and where? Presently he noticed a man, clad in black and white, coming along the narrow street from the centre of the citadel towards him. Pippin felt lonely, and made up his mind to speak as the man passed, but he had no need. The man came straight up to him. "'You are Peregrine the Halfling,' he said. "'I am told that you have been sworn to the service of the Lord and of the city. Welcome.' He held out his hand, and Pippin took it. "'I am named Baragond, son of Baranor. I have no duty this morning, and I have been sent to you to teach you the passwords, and to tell you some of the many things that no doubt you will wish to know. And for my part I would learn of you also, for never before have we seen a halfling in this land, and though we have heard rumour of them, little is said of them in any tale that we know. Moreover, you are a friend of Mithrandir. Do you know him well?' "'Well,' said Pippin, "'I have known of him all my short life, as you might say, and lately I have travelled far with him. But there is much to read in that book, and I cannot claim to have seen more than a page or two. Yet perhaps I know him as well as any but a few. Aragorn was the only one of our company, I think, who really knew him. "'Aragorn?' said Baragond. "'Who is he?' "'Oh!' stammered Pippin. "'He was a man who went about with us. I think he is in Rohan now.' "'You have been in Rohan, I hear. There is much that I would ask uh, you—' uh, <laughs> "'There is much that I would ask you of that land also, for we put much of what little hope we have in its people.' "'but I am forgetting my errand, "'which was first to answer what you would ask. "'What would you know, Master Peregrine?' "'Er, well,' said Pippin, "'if I may venture to say so, "'rather a burning question in my mind at present is, "'well, what about breakfast and all that? "'I mean, what are the meal-times, if you understand me, "'and where is the dining-room, if there is one? "'And the inns? "'I looked, but never a one could I see as we rode up.' though I had been borne up by the hope of a draught of ale as soon as we came to the homes of wise and courtly men. Bergond looked at him gravely. "'An old campaigner, I see,' he said. "'They say that men who go warring afield look ever to the next hope of food and of drink, though I am not a travelled man myself. Then you have not yet eaten to-day?' "'Well, yes, to speak in courtesy, yes,' said Pippin. "'but no more than a cup of wine and a white cake or two "'by the kindness of your lord. "'But he racked me for it with an hour of questions, "'and that is hungry work.' "'Baragond laughed. "'At the table small men may do the greater deeds,' we say. 
Mm, sorry. Baragon laughed. At the table, small men may do the greater deeds, we say, but you have broken your fast as well as any man in the citadel, and with greater honour. This is a fortress and a tower of guard, and is now in posture of war. We rise ere the sun, and take a morsel in the grey light, and go to our duties at the opening hour. But do not despair. He laughed again, seeing the dismay in Pippin's face. Those who have had heavy duty take somewhat to refresh their strength in the mid-morning. Then there is the luncheon. Whoops. Then there is the nuncheon, at noon, or after, or after, as duties allow, and men gather for the day-meal, and such mirth as there still may be, about the hour of sunset. Come, we will walk a little, and then go find us some refreshment, and eat and drink on the battlement, and survey the fair morning. One moment, said Pippin, blushing. Greed, or hunger by your courtesy, put it out of my mind, but Gandalf, Mithrandir as you call him, asked me to see to his horse, Shadowfax, a great steed of Rohan, and the apple of the king's eye, I am told, though he has given him to Mithrandir for his services. I think his new master loves the beast better than he loves many men, and if his good will is of any value to this city, you will treat Shadowfax with all honour, with greater kindness than you have treated this hobbit, if it is possible. Hobbit? said Baragond. That is what we call ourselves, said Pippin. "'I am glad to learn it,' said Baragon, "'for now I may say that strange accents do not mar fair speech, "'and hobbits are a fair-spoken folk. "'But come, you shall make me acquainted with this good horse. "'I love beasts, and we see them seldom in this stony city, "'for my people come, for my people came from the mountain vales, "'and before that from Ithilien. "'But fear not. "'The visit shall be short, a mere call of courtesy, "'and we will go thence to the butteries.' Pippin found that Shadowfax had been well housed and tended, for in the sixth circle, outside the walls of the citadel, there were some fair stables where a few swift horses were kept, hard by the lodgings of the errand-riders of the lord, messengers always ready to go at the urgent command of Denethor or his chief captains. But now all the horses and the riders were out and away. Shadowfax whinnied as Pippin entered the stable, and turned his head. "'Good morning,' said Pippin. "'Gandalf will come as soon as he may. "'He is busy, but he sends greetings. "'And I am to see that all is well with you, "'and you resting, I hope, after your long labours.' "'Shadowfax tossed his head and stamped, "'but he allowed Baragon to handle his head gently "'and stroke his great flanks. "'He looks as if he were spoiling for a race, "'and not newly come from a great journey,' said Baragon. "'How strong and proud he is! "'Where is his harness? "'It should be rich and fair.' "'None is rich and fair enough for him,' said Pippin. "'He will have none. "'If he will consent to bear you, bear you he does. "'And if not, well, no bit, bridle, whip, or thong will tame him. "'Farewell, Shadowfax. Have patience. Battle is coming.' Shadowfax lifted up his head and neighed so that the stable shook, and they covered their ears. Then they took their leave, seeing that the manger was well filled.' "'And now for our manger,' said Baragond, and he led Pippin back to the citadel, and so to a door in the north side of the great tower. There they went down a long, cool stair into a wide alley lit with lamps. There were hatches in the walls at the side, and one of these was open. "'This is the storehouse and buttery of my company of the guard,' said Baragond. "'Greetings, Targon,' he called through the hatch. "'It is early yet, but here is a newcomer that the Lord has taken into his service.' He has ridden long and far with a tight belt, 
and has had sore labor this morning, and he is hungry. Give us what you have. They got their bread and butter and cheese and apples, the last of the winter store, wrinkled but sound and sweet, and a leather flagon of new-drawn ale and wooden platters and cups. They put all into a wicker basket and climbed back into the sun, and Bergond brought Pippin to a place at the east end of the great outthrust battlement, where there was an embrasure in the walls with a stone seat beneath the sill. From there they could look out on the morning over the world. They ate and drank, and they talked now of Gondor and its ways and customs, now of the Shire and the strange countries that Pippin had seen. And ever as they talked Baragond was more amazed, and looked with greater wonder at the hobbit, swinging his short legs as he sat on the seat, or standing tiptoe upon it to peer over the sill at the lands below. "'I will not hide from you, Master Peregrine,' said Baragond, "'that to us you look almost as one of our children, a lad of nine summers or so, and yet you have endured perils and seen marvels that few of our greybeards could boast of.' I thought it was the whim of our lord to take him a noble page, after the manner of the kings of old, they say. But I see that it is not so, and you must pardon my foolishness. I do, said Pippin, though you are not far wrong. I am still little more than a boy in the reckoning of my own people, and it will be four years yet before I come of age, as we say in the shire. But do not bother about me. Come and look and tell me what I can see." The sun was now climbing, and the mists in the vale below had been drawn up. The last of them were floating away, just overhead, as wisps of white cloud borne on the stiffening breeze from the east, that was now flapping and tugging the flags and white standards of the citadel. Away down in the valley bottom, five leagues or so as the eye leaps, the great river could now be seen grey and glittering, coming out of the northwest, and bending in a mighty sweep south and west again, till it was lost to view in a haze and shimmer, far beyond which lay the sea, fifty leagues away. Pippin could see all the Pelinor laid out before him, dotted into the distance with farmsteads and little walls, barns and byres, but nowhere could be seen, uh, rats, but nowhere could he see any kine or other beasts. Many roads and tracks crossed the green fields, and there was much coming and going, Wains moving in lines towards the great gate, and others passing out. Now and again a horseman would ride up and leap from the saddle and hasten into the city, but most of the traffic went out along the chief highway, and that turned south, and then bending swifter than the river skirted the hills, and passed soon from sight. It was wide and well paved, and along its eastern edge ran a broad green riding track, and beyond that a wall. On the ride horsemen galloped to and fro, but all the street seemed to be choked with great covered wains going south. But soon Pippin saw that all was in fact well ordered. The wains were moving in three lines, one swifter drawn by horses, another slower, great wagons with fair housings of many colors drawn by oxen, and along the west rim of the road many smaller carts hauled by trudging men. "'That is the road to the vales of Tumladen and Losarnock, and the mountain villages, and then on to Lebenen,' said Baragond. "'There go the last of the wains that bear away to refuge the aged, the children, and the women that must go with them. They must all be gone from the gate, and the road clear for a league before noon. And the road clear for a league before noon. That was the order. It is a sad necessity,' he sighed. 
few, maybe, of those now sundered will meet again. And there were always too few children in this city, but now there are none, save some young lads that will not depart, and may find some task to do. My own son is one of them. They fell silent for a while. Pippin gazed anxiously eastward, as if at any moment he might see thousands of orcs pouring over the fields. "'What can I see there?' he asked, pointing down to the middle of the great curve of the Anduin. "'Is that another city, or what is it?' "'It was a city,' said Baragond, "'the chief city of Gondor, of which this was only a fortress. "'For that is the ruin of Osgiliath on either side of Anduin, "'which our enemies took and burned long ago. "'Yet we won it back in the days of the youth of Denethor, "'not to dwell in, but to hold as an outpost, "'and to rebuild the bridge for the passage of our arms.' and then came the fell riders out of Minas Morgul. "'The black riders?' said Pippin, opening his eyes, and they were wide and dark, with an old fear reawakened. "'Yes, they were black,' said Baragond, "'and I see that you know something of them, though you have not spoken of them in any of your tales.' "'I know of them,' said Pippin softly, "'but I will not speak of them now, so near, so near.' He broke off, and lifted his eyes above the river, and it seemed to him that all he could see was a vast and threatening shadow. Perhaps it was mountains looming on the verge of sight, their jagged edges softened by well-nigh twenty leagues of misty air. Perhaps it was but a cloud-wall, and beyond that again a yet deeper gloom. But even as he looked it seemed to his eyes that the gloom was growing and gathering, very slowly, slowly, rising to smother the regions of the sun." "'So near to Mordor,' said Baragond quietly. "'Yes, there it lies. "'We seldom name it, but we have dwelt ever in sight of that shadow. "'Sometimes it seems fainter and more distant, "'sometimes nearer and darker. "'It is growing and darkening now, "'and therefore our fear and disquiet grow too. "'And the fell riders, less than a year ago, "'they won back the crossings, "'and many of our best men were slain.' Boromir it was that drove the enemy at last from this western shore, and we hold still the near half of Osgiliath, for a little while. But we await now a new onslaught there, maybe the chief onslaught of the war that comes. "'When?' said Pippin. "'Have you a guess? For I saw the beacons last night, and the errand riders, and Gandalf said that it was a sign that war had begun. He seemed in a desperate hurry, but now everything seems to have slowed up again.' "'Only because everything is now ready,' said Baragond. "'It is but the deep breath before the plunge.' "'But why were the beacons lit last night?' "'It is over late to send for aid when you are already besieged,' answered Baragond. "'But I do not know the counsel of the Lord and his captains. "'They have many ways of gathering news. "'And the Lord Denethor is unlike any other men. "'He sees far.' Some say that as he sits alone in his high chamber in the tower at night, and bends his thought this way and that, he can read somewhat of the future, and that he will at times search even the mind of the enemy, wrestling with him. And so it is that he is old, worn before his time. But however that may be, my lord Faramir is abroad, beyond the river on some perilous errand, and he may have sent tidings. But if you would know what I think set the beacons ablaze, it was the news that came yester-eve out of Lebenin. There is a great fleet drawing near to the mouths of Anduin, manned by the corsairs of Umbar in the south. 
They have long ceased to fear the might of Gondor, and they have allied them with the enemy, and now make a heavy stroke in his cause. For this attack will draw off much of the help that we look to have from Lebanon and Belphalas, where folk are hardy and numerous. All the more do our thoughts go north to Rohan, and the more glad are we for these tidings of victory that you bring. And yet— He paused and stood up and looked round, north, east, and south. The doings at Isengard should warn us that we are caught now in a great net and strategy. This is no longer a bickering at the fords, raiding from Ithilien and from Anorian, ambushing and pillaging. This is a great war long planned, and we are but one piece in it, whatever pride may say. Things move in the far east beyond the inland sea, it is reported, and north in Mirkwood and beyond, and south in Harad. And now all realms shall be put to the test, to stand or fall, under the shadow. Yet, Master Peregrine, we have this honour. Ever we bear the brunt of the chief hatred of the Dark Lord, for that hatred comes down out of the depths of time and over the deeps of the sea. Here will the hammer-stroke fall hardest, and for that reason Mithrandir came hither in such haste, for if we fall, who shall stand? And, Master Peregrine, do you see any hope that we shall stand? Pippin did not answer. He looked at the great walls, and the towers and brave banners, and the sun in the high sky, and then at the gathering gloom in the east, and he thought of the long fingers of that shadow, of the orcs in the woods and the mountains, the treason of Isengard, the birds of evil eye, and the black riders even in the lanes of the Shire, and of the winged terror, the Nazgul. He shuddered, and hope seemed to wither. And even at that moment the sun for a second faltered and was obscured, as though a dark wing had passed across it. Across it. Almost beyond hearing he thought he caught, high and far up in the heavens, a cry, faint, but heart-quelling, cruel and cold. He blanched and cowered against the wall. "'What was that?' asked Baragond. "'You also felt something?' "'Yes,' muttered Pippin. "'It is the sign of our fall and the shadow of doom, a fell rider of the air.' "'Yes, the shadow of doom,' said Baragond. I fear that Minas Tirith shall fall. Night comes. The very warmth of my blood seems stolen away. For a time they sat together with bowed heads and did not speak. Then suddenly Pippin looked up and saw that the sun was still shining and the banner still streaming in the breeze. He shook himself. It is past, he said. No, my heart will not yet despair. Gandalf fell, and has returned, and is with us. We may stand, if only on one leg, or at least be left still upon our knees. Rightly said, said Baragond, rising and striding to and fro. Nay, though all things must come utterly to an end in time, Gondor shall not perish yet, nor though the walls be taken by a reckless foe that will build a hill of carrion before them. There are still other fastnesses, and secret ways of escape into the mountains." Hope and memory shall live still in some hidden valley where the grass is green. All the same, I wish it was over, for good or ill, said Pippin. I am no warrior at all, and dislike any thought of battle, but waiting on the edge of one that I can't escape is worst of all. What a long day it seems already! I should be happier if we were not obliged to stand and watch, making no move, striking nowhere first. No stroke would have been struck in Rohan, I think, but for Gandalf.' 
"'Ah, there you lay your finger on the sore that many feel,' said Baragon. "'But things may change when Faramir returns. "'He is bold, more bold than many deem, "'for in these days men are slow to believe "'that a captain can be wise and learned "'in the scrolls of lore and song as he is, "'and yet a man of hardihood and swift judgment in the field. "'But such is Faramir. "'Less reckless and eager than Boromir, "'but not less resolute. "'Yet what indeed can he do?' We cannot assault the mountains of, of yonder realm. Our reach is shortened, and we cannot strike till some foe comes within it. Then our hand must be heavy. He smote the hilt of his sword. Pippin looked at him, tall and proud and noble, as all the men that he had yet seen in that land, and with a glitter in his eyes he thought of the battle. Alas, my own hand feels as light as a feather, he thought, but he said nothing. A pawn, did Gandalf say? Perhaps, but on the wrong chessboard. So they talked until the sun reached its height, and suddenly the noon bells were rung, and there was a stir in the citadel, for all save the watchmen were going to their meal. Will you come with me? said Baragond. You may join my mess for this day. I do not know to what company you will be assigned, or the Lord may hold you at his own command, but you will be welcome and it will be well to meet as many men as you may while there is yet time. "'I shall be glad to come,' said Pippin. "'I am lonely, to tell you the truth. I left my best friend behind in Rohan, and I have had no one to talk to or jest with. Perhaps I could really join your company. Are you the captain? If so, you could take me on, or speak for me?' "'Nay, nay,' Baragond laughed. "'I am no captain. Neither office, nor rank, nor lordship have I.' "'being but a plain man-of-arms of the third company of the Citadel. "'Yet, Master Peregrine, to be only a man-of-arms of the guard of the Tower of Gondor "'is held worthy in the city, and such men have honour in the land.' "'Then it is far beyond me,' said Pippin. "'Take me back to our room, and if Gandalf is not there, I will go where you like, as your guest.' Gandalf was not in the lodging, and had sent no message, so Pippin went with Baragond, and was made known to the men of the third company. And it seemed that Baragond got as much honour from it as his guest, for Pippin was very welcome. There had already been much talk in the citadel about Mithrandir's companion, and his long closeting with the lord, and rumour declared that a prince of the halflings had come out of the north to offer allegiance to Gondor, and five thousand swords." and some said that when the riders came from Rohan each would bring with him a halfling warrior, small, maybe, but doughty. Though Pippin had regretfully to destroy this hopeful tale, he could not be rid of his new rank, only fitting, men thought, to one befriended by Boromir, and honoured by the Lord Denethor, and they thanked him for coming among them, and hung on his words and stories of the outlands, and gave him as much food and ale as he could wish. Indeed, his only trouble was to be wary, according to the counsel of Gandalf, and not to let his tongue wag freely after the manner of a hobbit among friends. At length Baragond rose. "'Farewell for this time,' he said. "'I have duty now till sundown, as have all the others here, I think. But if you are lonely, as you say, maybe you would like, to, maybe you would like a merry guide about the city. My son would go with you gladly, a good lad, I may say. If that pleases you—' "'Go down to the lowest circle and ask for the old guest-house "'in the Rath Kellardane, the Lamprite Street. "'You will find him there with other lads that are remaining in the city. "'There may be things worth seeing down at the great gate ere the closing.' 
he went out, and soon after all the others followed. The day was still fine, though it was growing hazy, and it was hot for March, even so far southwards. Pippin felt sleepy, but the lodging seemed cheerless, and he decided to go down and explore the city. He took a few morsels that he had saved to Shadowfax, and they were graciously accepted, though the horse seemed to have no lack. Then he walked on down many winding ways. People stared as he passed. To his face men were gravely courteous, saluting him after the manner of Gondor with bowed head and hands upon the breast, but behind him he heard many calls, as those out of doors cried to others within to come and see the prince of the halflings, the companion of Mithrandir. Many used some other tongue than the common speech, but it was not long before he learned at last, whoops, before he learned at least what was meant by Ernil i Ferionath, and knew that his title had gone down before him into the city. He came at last by arched streets and many fair alleys and pavements to the lowest and widest circle, and there he was directed to the lamplight street, a broad way running towards the great gate. In it he found the old guest-house, a large building of grey weathered stone with two wings running back from the street, and between them a narrow greensward, behind which was the many-windowed house, fronted along its whole width by a pillared porch and a flight of steps down on to the grass. Boys were playing among the pillars, the only children that Pippin had seen in Minas Tirith, and he stopped to look at them. Presently one of them caught sight of him, and with a shout he sprang across the grass and came into the street, followed by several others. There he stood in front of Pippin, looking him up and down. "'Greetings,' said the lad. "'Where do you come from? You are a stranger in the city.' "'I was,' said Pippin. "'But they say I have become a man of Gondor.' "'Oh, come,' said the lad. "'Then we are all men here. But how old are you, and what is your name? I am ten years already, and soon shall be five feet.' "'and shall soon be five feet. "'I am taller than you. "'But then my father is a guard, one of the tallest. "'What is your father?' "'Which question shall I answer first? said Pippin. "'My father farms the lands around Whitwell, "'near Tuckborough in the Shire. "'I am nearly twenty-nine, so I pass you there, "'though I am but four feet, "'and not likely to grow any more save sideways.' Twenty-nine, said the lad, and whistled. "'Why, you are quite old.' "'as old as my uncle Irelas. "'Still,' he added hopefully, "'I wager I could stand you on your head "'or lay you on your back.' "'Maybe you could if I let you,' said Pippin with a laugh, "'and maybe I could do the same to you. "'We know some wrestling tricks in my little country, "'where, let me tell you, "'I am considered uncommonly large and strong, "'and I have never allowed anyone to stand me on my head. "'So if it came to a trial and nothing else would serve, "'I might have to kill you.' "'for when you are older you will learn that folk are not always what they seem, "'and though you may have taken me for a soft stranger lad and easy prey, let me warn you, "'I am not. I am a halfling, hard, bold, and wicked.' "'Pippin pulled such a grim face that the boy stepped back a pace, "'but at once he returned with, a clen with clenched fists and the light of battle in his eye. "'No,' Pippin laughed, "'don't believe what strangers say of themselves either. I am not a fighter.' "'but it would be politer, in any case, for the challenger to say who he is.' "'The boy drew himself up proudly. "'I am Bergil, son of Baragond of the guards,' he said. "'So I thought,' said Pippin, "'for you look like your father. "'I know him, and he sent me to find you.' "'Then why did you not say so at once?' said Bergil, "'and suddenly a look of dismay came over his face. 
"'Do not tell me that he has changed his mind "'and will send me away with the maidens. "'But no, the last wains have gone.' "'His message is less bad than that, if not good,' said Pippin. "'He says that if you would prefer it to standing me on my head, "'you might show me round the city for a while and cheer my loneliness. "'I can tell you some tales of far countries in return.' Berigel clapped his hands and laughed with relief. "'All is well,' he cried. "'Come, then. We were soon going to the gate to look on. We will go now.' "'What is happening there?' "'The captains of the Outlands are expected up the south road ere sundown. Come with us, and you will see.' Berigel proved a good comrade, the best company Pippin had had since he parted from Mary, and soon they were laughing and talking gaily as they went about the streets, heedless of the many glances that men gave them. Before long they found themselves in a throng going towards the great gate. There Pippin went up much in the esteem of Bergel, for when he spoke his name and the password, the guard saluted him and let him pass through, and what was more he allowed him to take his companion with him. "'That is good,' said Bergel. "'We boys are no, long, no longer allowed to pass the gate without an elder. Now we shall see better.' Beyond the gate there was a crowd of men along the verge of the road, and of the great paved space into which all the ways to Minas Tirith ran. All eyes were turned southwards, and soon a murmur rose. "'There is dust away there! They are coming!' Pippin and Bergil edged their way forward to the front of the crowd, and waited. Horns sounded at some distance, and the noise of cheering rolled towards them like a gathering wind. Then there was a loud trumpet blast— and all about them people were shouting. "'For long! For long!' Pippin heard men calling. "'What do they say?' he asked. "'For long has come,' Burgel answered. "'Old Forlong the Fat, the lord of Lossarnock. "'That is where my grandsire lives. "'Hurrah! There he is! Good old Forlong!' Leading the line there came walking a big thick-limbed horse, and on it sat a man of wide shoulders and huge girth, but old and grey-bearded, yet mail-clad and black-helmed, and bearing a long heavy spear. Behind him marched proudly a dusty line of men, well-armed and bearing great battle-axes. Grim-faced they were, and shorter and somewhat swarthier than any men that Pippin had yet seen in Gondor. "'Forlong!' men shouted. "'True heart, true friend, forlong!' But when the men of Lossarnock had passed, they muttered, "'So few!' Two hundreds, what are they? We hoped for ten times the number. Rats, sorry. So few, two hundreds, what are they? We hoped for ten times the number. That will be the new tidings of the black fleet. They are sparing only a tithe of their strength. Still, every little is a gain. And so the companies came and were hailed and cheered and passed through the gate, "'men of the outlands marching to defend the city of Gondor in a dark hour, "'but always too few, always less than hope looked for or need asked. "'The men of Ringlo Vale, behind the son of their lord Dervorin, "'the men of Ringlo Vale, behind the son of their lord Dervorin, "'striding on foot, three hundreds. "'From the uplands of Morthrond, the great Blackroot Vale, "'Tall Duin here, with his sons Duelin and Derufin, and five hundred bowmen. "'From the Anfalas, the Langstrand, far away, a line of men of many sorts, "'hunters and herdsmen and men of little villages, "'scantily equipped save for the household of Golasgil, their lord. 
from Lamadon, a few grim hillmen without a captain, fisher folk of the Ethir, some hundred or more spared from the ships, Herluin the fair of the green hills from Pinoth Gelin with three hundred of gallant green clad men, and last and proudest, Imrahil, prince of Dol Amrath, kinsman of the Lord, with gilded banners bearing his token of the ship and the silver swan and a company of knights in full harness riding grey horses, and behind them seven hundreds of men-at-arms, tall as lords, grey-eyed, dark-haired, singing as they came. And that was all, less than three thousands full told. No more would come. Their cries and the tramp of their feet passed into the city and died away. The onlookers stood silent for a while. Dust hung in the air, for the wind had died and the evening was heavy. Already the closing hour was drawing nigh, and the red sun had gone behind Mindaluin. Sorry, already the closing hour was drawing nigh, and the red sun had gone behind Mindaluin. Shadow came down on the city. Pippin looked up, and it seemed to him that the sky had grown ashen grey, as if a vast dust and smoke hung above them, and light came dully through it. But in the west the dying sun had set all the fume on fire, and now Mindaluin stood black against a burning smolder flecked with embers. "'So ends a fair day in wrath,' he said, forgetful of the lad at his side. "'So it will, if I have not returned before the sundown bells,' said Bergil. "'Come, there goes the trumpet for the closing of the gate.' Hand in hand they went back into the city, the last to pass the gate before it was shut, and as they reached the lamplight street all the bells in the towers tolled solemnly. Lights sprang in many windows, and from the houses and wards of the men-at-arms along the walls there came the sound of song. "'Farewell for this time,' said Bergil. "'Take my greetings to my father, and thank him for the company that he sent. Come again soon, I beg. Almost I wish now that there was no war, for we might have had some merry times. We might have journeyed to Lossarnock, to my grandsire's house. It is good to be there in spring.' The woods and fields are full of flowers. But maybe we will go thither yet, thither together yet. They will never overcome our lord, and my father is very valiant. Farewell, and return. They parted, and Pippin hurried back towards the citadel. It seemed a long way, and he grew hot and very hungry, and night closed down swift and dark. Not a star pricked the sky. He was late for the day-meal in the mess, and Baragond greeted him gladly, and sat him at his side to hear news of his son. After the meal Pippin stayed a while, and then took his leave, for a strange gloom was on him, and now he desired very much to see Gandalf again. "'Can you find your way?' said Baragond, at the door of the small hall, on the north side of the citadel, where they had sat. "'It is a black night, and all the blacker since orders came that lights are to be dimmed within the city.' and none are to shine out from the walls. And I can give you news of another order. You will be summoned to the Lord Denethor early to-morrow. I fear you will not be for the third company. Still we may hope to meet again. Farewell, and sleep in peace. The lodging was dark, save for a little lantern set on the table. Gandalf was not there. Gloom settled still more heavily on Pippin. He climbed on the bench and tried to peer out of a window, but it was like looking into a pool of ink. He got down and closed the shutter and went to bed. For a while he lay and listened for sounds of Gandalf's return, and then he fell into an uneasy sleep. 
In the night he was wakened by a light, and he saw that Gandalf had come and was pacing to and fro in the room beyond the curtains of the alcove. There were candles on the table and rolls of parchment. He heard the wizard sigh and mutter, "'When will Faramir return?' "'Hello,' said Pippin, poking his head round the curtain. "'I thought you had forgotten all about me. I am glad to see you back. It has been a long day.' "'But the night will be too short,' said Gandalf. "'I have come back here, for I must have a little peace alone. You should sleep in a bed while you still may. At the sunrise I shall take you to the Lord Denethor again. No, when the summons comes, not at sunrise. The darkness has begun.' There will be no <laughs> sorry. The darkness has begun. There will be no dawn. End of chapter one. Read by Kara Schallenberg, www.kray.org, on Friday, June twenty seventh, two thousand fourteen, in San Diego, California.